Hello and welcome to the Cinefrauds. Today I have David McGowan from Ravenswood Media. And on the eve of or after Independence Day, depending on when this releases, we're here to talk about the state of war films that have been in American cinemas today and how uh, I'm frankly just really tired of all this pro-war propaganda bullshit that they released today. I mean, just think about the movies in the last 20 years here. We have Black Hawk Down, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, directed by the wonderful Michael Bay, Act of Valor, The Patriot, We Were Soldiers, Hackshaw Ridge, American Sniper, Max. If you don't know what Max is, Max is a movie about a soldier's bomb-sniffing dog after the soldier passes away, and then some the soldier's kid gets the dog, and he develops a bond with the dog, and it's like, oh, so cute. Also, there's the direct-to-DVD sequel that I found on a Target last night called Max 2, like, Path to the White House or something like that. Yeah, and uh, there's Megan Levy, which is another dog soldier movie. And coming soon, thank you for your service, starring the punchable face, Miles Teller. All right, and then on top of that, we have war movies that are too afraid to say anything, like The Messenger, The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, Out There, which was an FX TV series about people who served in the uh, Iraq War, and Jarhead. Okay, so... Anyways, we do, I mean, luckily we do have some current anti-war films like Generation Kill in the Valley of Allah. Uh, and then there's a number of documentaries that HBO shows that really show the realities of uh, the war that we've been fighting today. Such as um, Crisis Hotline Veterans Press 1, which is a documentary about veterans who uh, will call in uh, a hotline who are basically like on the verge of suicide who've gone through shell shock. Uh, Taxi to the Dark Side is a very well-known documentary. Uh, you know about that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just check out those ones in general. But the point I'm trying to make here is we barely have anything now that examines war through a realistic perspective. And now we seem to be living in a country that is blindly patriotic. And, you know... Just because you support your country, because you support a war, doesn't really mean you're supporting your country, in my opinion. If you really want to support your country, you challenge your country. You try to make it better for everyone. If we want to just blindly be patriotic, you know, we'd still have segregation in this country. Although we still do have it. We don't have it, you know, metaphorically, I guess you could say. We don't have it to the extent that, you know, was prevalent back you know, during the days of actual segregation, you know, if uh, we wouldn't have had a gay marriage be legalized, challenging America evolves America, evolves a country and hiding behind cowardice films like this honestly pisses me off. And I hate these types of pictures. And I really wish we would have movies like they did in the old days. You know, movies like Paths of Glory, Doctor Strangelove, Full Metal Jacket. I know all three are Kubrick. Uh, Coming Home, The Deer Hunter, Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, The Best Years of Our Lives, which I think was like one of the first like anti-war films to come out there. Yeah, and go even back further, back to the 30s or the 20s. You got All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes, uh, yes. And, and some even silent films that were anti-war. German cinema during the 20s was uh, had a lot of anti-war films. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about today, though, is um, that uh, the art, uh, the cinema, has followed the politics. And in this case, since the 1970s, uh, we've evolved into a all-volunteer armed force. Mm -hmm. So before you had every guy under, you know, between 18 and 21 was going into the service. He had to do his two years. So they were choosing people from all walks of life. Whether you wanted to go or not, you were there. Uh, it became, it was more of the fabric of being a citizen. Mm -hmm. And then when they did away with that, when they did away with the draft, and you had an all-volunteer force, then there's this detachment yeah. from society. And we feel indebted to these guys that are volunteering to do this. 
Yet at the same time, it, I think what you're pointing out is that it, this indebtedness goes a little too far and we run the risk of being blind to what's going on, you know, what's actually going on with the, uh, with the armed forces. So I think movies just reflect that. We want to show these guys that volunteer to do this stuff that we love them, but at the same time when we do that, we are running the risk of going too far and starting to uh, 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 glorify war mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, our, in our zealousness to glorify the guys that have, have stepped up to volunteer to protect us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great... That's exactly what I'm actually going at, which is now that there is no draft, you know, because the draft is what really, I think, kicked off the protests against Vietnam because people were being forced to go there. And it was kind of a war. That... No, because they, they, we had a Korean War, and there, that, there was draft then. What, what the Vietnam War yeah. what sparked was, it then? was that they pushed it too far. I mean, after a while, it's like, hey, this is obvious. It's not working. And there's too many dead coming back. Mm-hmm. And we're not seeing any progress. And then the citizenry starts to talk about, hey, what the hell are we doing there? Yeah. And that, I think, is what drove it over the edge. It wasn't the draft per se. Mm. It was that um, it was a it was out of control. That we didn't know what we were doing. We were drifted into it. And before too long it's it's like we're losing thousands of people every week. Back in when I was a kid, they actually printed the number of people that had died on the newspaper. And it was a feature of the news. And when that started to happen and people started seeing that number going up and up and up, I think it was 60,000 dead in Vietnam yeah. by the time it was done, that that's, you know, the country started, hey, enough of this. Yeah, yeah. And it was reflected and, in the movies. Yeah. Because it was such a fuck up. Can you say that on your show? We say whatever the fuck we want oh, to. Okay. <laughs> it was such a fuck up that... Uh, it ref- was reflected in the art of filmmaking in that they would start making movies that showed these guys that are supposed to these generals and so forth that are supposed to be leaders mm. and making rational choices. They pulled the, the covers back from that and showed that they were, they were goofuses and making arbitrary decisions that cost lives. Mm-hmm. And it created a great... It was a reflection of the skepticism of people the skepticism of their government, the skepticism of going to war, the skepticism of uh, the the economic benefits that were coming out of that war. Very skeptical times. And I think that's what you're reflecting on today. You're not seeing that today. Yeah, I think arts back then challenged the status quo. And it was reflecting the, the anti-war movement that was being pushed forth at that time because people were starting to wake up and starting to discover new things. Christ, LSD was being discovered by that time, you know? And because of that, it evolved the country into a more progressive place, into a better place. And now we've just had movies that have been too cowardice to say anything too scared to speak against the war you know i mean what was the point of the iraq war in the first place well we thought that saddam hussein had wmds turned out he didn't have shit and then turned out we probably just went there for oil did we see a lot of movies showing what the war in iraq was really like or you know how it affected people when they came back Maybe a little bit, but overall, not really. It was mostly just, rah, rah, go America. Thank you for your service. You're great. And look, for guys who served, yes, thank you for serving for us. Thank you for fighting. But at the same time, you know, if we're doing nothing but but idealizing everybody who's fighting in this war and showering war with praise, we're becoming a blind nation. And then guys like Donald Trump get elected. And I think we're leading ourselves into another war very soon and we're going to see more bullshit pro-war films like these 
It, it looks like we're drifting that way. But here's something that I, I think that you might, uh, um, that, that we're passing over is that Vietnam was over for us by, what was it, 72? Um, yeah, I think yeah, it was 72. I, I wasn't alive then, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what was interesting for me is that, looking back, is that there were no feature films that dealt with Vietnam until like 77. Ah, so and it was I, way after the war, yeah. Yeah, and it was kind of notable that nobody wanted to touch it. Hollywood did not want to touch. But they still don't want to touch Iraq after it happened, which is the odd thing. Well, no, they do touch it, but what your point is is they touch it in a, in a way that's pro. And, yeah. yeah, it's like even even movies that are like neutral, like like even Hurt Locker. It's like, well, we don't want to be, we don't want to say anything about the war. We would just want to tell this story about oh, the soldiers. Yeah. It's like, well, why the fuck do you want to tell it if you have nothing to say? You know, good point. Like, what's the point of this movie even existing? To show that soldiers sacrifice a yeah, lot that's, and should be grateful kind for of service? A, okay. That's kind of a uh, weaseling out of it if they say, oh, we just want to tell this story. Yeah. Because you can't tell that story without without referencing the elephant in the room. It's like, why the fuck are we there? Yeah, there, it's, 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 it's uh, you know, it's there has to be a purpose and a theme. There has to be a standpoint to your movie. You know, if you're going to make it pro or anti, then God damn it, make a fucking stand, show some balls, and show why you want to make this film. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I think the first films to deal with the Vietnam War was a documentary called Hearts and Minds. Mm. And it was, do you know it? Uh, no. but You I never heard of it? it? I haven't heard of it. No. Oh, man, is that a powerful movie. It showed General Westmoreland. In his, uh, at his, like, he had like a horse ranch or something. So it's beautiful Virginia countryside behind him. And there he's, you know, it's a talking head, him and with this mm. pastoral bucolic background behind him, talking about uh, that the Vietnamese, the Oriental mind, he said, uh, didn't uh, approach life the same way as the West did, that life for them was cheap, life was, uh, and he, the filmmakers intercut this obviously bigoted rant with a funeral of one of the Viet uh, bigoted rant. Yeah, like Westmoreland was saying that that the uh, the Vietnamese didn't f- approach life like whites did. That they they thought life was cheaper, or mm. that if somebody died, it was no big deal. And so I'm a simple farm guy. I enjoy this, and these people are. You know, animals or savages. In other words, Absolutely. Yeah. But what was cool about the filmmakers is that they intercut in this bigoted rant yeah. a woman burying her husband, a Vietnamese woman burying her husband that who had just died. And she's wailing. She's trying to throw herself into the grave. Yeah. And it was just a beautiful uh, way to show the hypocrisy of, uh-huh. uh, of the military. Wow, what's the name of that film? Hearts and Minds. Hearts and Minds. Is it is that readily available? Or do you have oh to yeah, look under oh some it's rocks? it's still it's still um, uh, well regarded and people still watch it. Mm-hmm. Sure, it's still relevant. Yeah, it's probably more relevant today. It probably wouldn't be a bad idea to show it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean that's the sad thing is how hi- the way history repeats itself. Things like this that shouldn't be relevant is relevant and always probably will be relevant. So really, we're preaching to the choir in a way because we're not going to change the world by complaining about it. Right. But we have to address it to temporarily stop the bleeding before it starts again. The country is very polarized in the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. And I think that's why Hollywood uh, just would rather not touch Vietnam. The first film... You mean the, uh, the current war today? They wouldn't touch no, or no. The, Vietnam back then, at the time. Yeah, yeah. In 1972, the yeah. war was over. It wasn't until I yeah. think the first film that I remember that came out that dealt with the Vietnam War was a film called "The Boys of Company C," mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yeah. that was exactly what you're talking about. They uh, they showed where uh, their lives were just being arbitrarily. Um, risked mm-hmm. for for no real strategic reason yeah and it was a really it was, it was a decent movie yeah. but that opened the floodgates and then after that i think came the um uh the one where uh, john voight goes down on uh, jane fonda <laughs> what what's, <laughs> yeah. what's uh coming home 
Okay, yeah. You haven't seen Man, the movie. I was watching it before you got in here. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, I always wanted to see it. I didn't know it was Hell Ashby directed it. That, that kind of surprised me. I'm like, oh my God, how did I have never heard of this film? It was made by Hal Ashby. I love his work. Oh, you do? Yeah. You, so oh, yeah. you're aware of Hal Ashby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, being there, uh, fucking uh, Harold and Maude. Was that the name of it? Yeah, yeah. with the young boys in love with the and older didn't woman. didn't he do The Last Detail? Yeah, yeah. Was that the one with Jack Nicholson yeah. where he's in the Navy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you seen that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good film, too. Oh, yeah. It didn't deal with Vietnam, but it certainly dealt with the military. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Ashby had, like, a very limited library, surprisingly. He didn't make a lot of films. But when he did make films, they were very good. He was anti-war. I think he was uh, He was in that. Well, being there, I mean, like, right away, you see, like, John Boyd from the scene I saw. It literally begins with a bunch of soldiers who were in Vietnam who were, like, playing cards, presumably in a VA hospital, you know, saying, why the hell were we there? What was the point? You know, and then we have John Boyd's plot line where he's an emotional mess, you know, he's... You know, his piss bag falls on the ground. He's getting mad. He's slamming his cane up against the uh, cart and whatever, saying, why the fuck weren't you people here and all this and that? And, you know, because, like, people who were injured or who were in these hospitals, they were so overcapacitated, you know, and there were so many people there, and they had such a small budget from the government to aid these soldiers. They still don't. No, they still don't. That, you know, they, they go nuts there because anybody would. You're treated like a fucking animal. And then in coming home too, they dealt with the uh, psychological trauma with the Bruce Stern character. Yeah, yeah. Like he starts out Mr. All Pro War, and then from what I've been watching so far, I'm gonna guess he goes through denial and then eventually acceptance as to, you know, he realized he just fought a useless war. No, no. Okay, so I got that wrong. <laughs> what does happen with Bruce Stern? You can spoil it for me. Uh, he goes nuts. I th- I'm not sure. I think he shoots himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. But okay. it, it, as the movie progresses, his PS... What is, it, what is that? PTSD. Yeah. I call it shell shock. Shell, they, yeah, it gets PTSD worse PTSD is a term that the government created to lessen the sort of impact of what soldiers go through instead of shell shock, you know, as I'm paraphrasing George Carlin... Which, it hits you hard. You know exactly what it means. This post-traumatic stress disorder, you know. Oh, he treated that in a stand-up? Yeah. Yeah, shell shock. It has, like, a, a hit, a feeling where you get it right away, how it, how it affects anybody. When you put a long, windy term to it, and it goes, oh, he's got post-traumatic stress, you know. Like, yeah, no. he'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing was that... Um, 1965, just when the protests were starting to manifest themselves, yeah. is when John Wayne made the Green Beret. Mm. Have you seen it? I can imagine what it is. Yeah, and it's just John what you Wayne. would imagine. Yeah, yeah, just pro-war, I'm going to go there and fight for my country because they need me right now, something like that. Well, yeah, but it was a young guy. Yeah. It wasn't Timothy Hutton. But a young guy who was cynical about the war, yeah, and that John Wayne, uh, you know, turns him into a great Green Beret, and yeah, and the other side does horrible things, and our side was did great things and was nice and stuff. Yeah, and people were they a fan of that movie when it came out, or were they like this is bullshit? By that uh, point? no, I don't think it did particularly well. Yeah, yeah. see, I mean, that's because you the had the song it in, like, did well though. The song was a hit. <laughs> Okay, yeah, but I mean, you had an enlightened public back then, and now we have people. Uh, no, no. What back I, during I, the seventies? No, no, you like you said before, uh, history repeats itself. The same way it's polarized today, it was polarized then. It was like on one side were people that were just were not going to we're not going to change anything. And on the other side were people that, hey, everything's on the table now. Yeah. And anything goes. Yeah. And it, I, I think in some ways it was more polarized then than it is now, if you can believe it. Mm, I could believe it because, I mean, you still have 
a lot of people who will just go and see the silliest stuff. Like I know people who politically are on my side who are like, oh, I don't want to see depressing films. Yeah. I just want to see things that are happy. So that's what the studios do. They make these pro-war films and they're just jerking off their audience. Like, oh, you like that, right? You like war? <laughs> you like comic books? You like Spider-Man, right? This makes you happy? Come on, come on, come on. You still got a little more in there. You want another Batman film? You know? Instead of giving people art, something that will enlighten them, again, it's show business. It's business first and then show later. And the business, you know, more that's of the why, silly that's stuff That's why I told money. you that it took yeah. five years after the war was over before they dared touch a Vietnam movie. Yeah. So in some ways, you know, when was the Iraq war over? Oh, God. Uh, 2008? It, you know, Obama ended it. No, it wasn't 08. He, he probably, if I were to guess, he tried to end it. Yeah, he tried to end it in 2010. And so when did the first Iraq uh, movies... What was the Three Magi? What was that? The Three Magi? I'd never heard of that one. The th- but, the one no, what was it called? But like, It was the, the Iraq- first Iraq movie. It was that David O. Russell. Oh, oh, The Three Kings. Yeah. I saw it, and I, I thought it was... They kind of showed the um, the weaseliness of uh, the government uh, when it was dealing with so I'm group, wrong. with groups of people. Yeah. Uh, there were some Iranian refugees of a certain yeah. religious sect that these guys were trying to save as they were doing some sort of heist, though. Yeah. You know, there was actually one about, I think it might have been about Iraq or Afghanistan. I'm going to guess Iraq. And it was called Generation Kill. And it was a series by HBO. Uh-huh. And it was a great miniseries because it showed these guys who were soldiers who basically have been conditioned to just murder, like, without any pity or remorse. Just, it's like a video game to them. And if you see some of these pro-war films today, like I remember I was watching Max and then followed by that, I was watching 13 Hours, which is like, you know, Michael Bay's uh, Benghazi propaganda film that, you know, successfully probably uh, helped voters vote for Donald Trump and not get Hillary in office because, oh, Hillary and Benghazi, which is all bullshit. I think it did. Yeah. Yeah, I think it did. Luckily, but for the few who saw it, you just look at those Amazon.com like reviews for it. And it's like five stars. You know, it was basically Michael Bay's Black Hawk Down. And I mean, oddly enough, Michael Bay showed restraint in that movie, which is not saying a lot. Yeah. But at least he didn't have like super patriotic drums playing against the image of helicopters flying by a sunset, you know? Right. But it was still very much like, look at these brave soldiers who, you know, had to protect a military compound. It was being raided, and, you know, there's probably a lot more action than there was in the real event, you know, where they uh, sort of capitalize on some of the violence. Because if you see real war footage, you know, I'm sure there are heated firefights, but, you know, a lot of it's just people waiting around looking where the shooter is and stuff like that it's not like go run explosion here explosion there unless you know but even that's just the surface and then yeah you know the guys stories the guys that are soldiers in iraq or in vietnam or wherever that's one story and that's horrible you know it's yeah harrowing experience but when it really becomes poignant is when you start to go beneath that and find out what's the real reason this war is going on. Yeah. You know, like weapons of mass destruction. I Money. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. And if it's not that, what is it? Well, you know, the <laughs> having the, the world's largest reserve of oil yeah. makes one think that that's a strong motivator. Yep, yeah, it is. I mean... <laughs> Hell, I I always call uh, I called this country for a long time under the Bush administration Hal America Halliburton America, you know. Yeah. But is, that's an easy one. Uh, Vietnam's a little tougher. Vietnam didn't have anything. I yeah, mean, there was. Yeah. We were trying to stop the spread of the Viet Cong from taking over uh, uh, Vietnam. The domino effect. Yeah, 
You've heard of that, right? Yeah, like they were going to take over Vietnam, and then they were going to take over the rest of Asia, and you know, we were going to stop them. Indochina, and then once yeah. Indochina, then the rest of Malaysia and so yes. forth. Yeah. yeah, it was a bunch of bullshit. I mean, you want to talk about a real war that made no sense was uh, World War One. I. I mean, that whole thing happened because an archduke got killed. But anyways, we're veering off topic a little bit here into a political. No, but the point is, is that what what you're bringing up, what you were talking about, was with these war films, they glorify the soldiers that are uh, in the war, and you know, to a certain extent, that's okay, yeah. But but my point was, is that um, there's a, a larger story that I think, especially the Iraq War. Uh, is ripe for, and yeah. that's the oil connection, yeah. and showing how the oligarchy is is uh, manipulating public opinion mm-hmm. to allow this. I think it was Einstein that said, "War is nothing more than a highly organized form of theft." Yeah, and, th- and that's I think that's what <laughs> that's the Iraq perfect. the Iraq yeah. War was. Yeah, yeah, it, but you can't go. You know they they're kind of constrained. You know the guys that are that make money off it, they're constrained. They don't have armies of their own. They've got to first gin up the public, mm-hmm. and when they gin up the public, part of that ginning up is the role as Hollywood. Yeah, I mean it's like I say, propaganda. Look, yeah. if you want to make a pro-war film, fine, but there's not enough films that challenge the war, questioned why it happened see the effects of the soldiers oh sure we see some of the ptsd in some films like american sniper you know you'll have bradley cooper and a laundromat and he'll see the machine going around doing laundry but when he hears the of the laundry machine he's hearing the helicopter going by and oh my god ptsd you know sure you'll get moments like that but overall you're not really seeing something that says how war affects somebody and you know what? Sometimes you can just watch the movies that are pro-war and see how it's affecting the filmmakers. I mean, Christ, there there are uh, there are so many moments that I saw at Max and in the Benghazi film where they're playing Call of Duty. I don't know if you know that game, but mm-hmm. it's just yeah, it's literally a video game where you play as a soldier, you run around with a gun, you shoot people, and you get points for shooting them, and then you get a better gun. You know. And the military has been using games like that as propaganda to kind of brainwash soldiers into being okay with killing people. And that was something Generation Kill kind of covered, where basically all the antagonists were kind of like these unsympathetic little dipshits who run around and just killed. And no, I'm not saying that's what the soldiers are before everyone in the comment section is ready to take my head off, which I'm sure this is a slippery slope of a conversation we're having already. But... The point I'm trying to make is, you know, have your movie say something. And when you when you have so much desensitization in the films that you do today, like people are just marking time to see the cool war scenes, to see the explosions and the shooting, <laughs> and we don't see the consequences of that violence. Well, tell me a film. Just describe yeah. uh, an Iraq film that you'd like to see, an Iraq war film. What, um, what would, how would it go? I would like to see an Iraq war film taken from the perspective of an Iraqi. Let's say a young boy who, you know, has seen his village get destroyed, his family die, all in the hands of America, and see how he sees the American soldier. Maybe he sees some soldiers who are good-hearted people who want to help him out, and then he sees the soldiers who are bad. You know, think of Platoon. Remember you had Willem Dafoe, who was the good guy in it, right? <laughs> and Berenger, was that his name? Yep, Tom Berenger, who was, you know, the psycho bad guy. And at that time when they casted, you know, that's kind of going against casting because yeah. usually they kind of played roles on the other way around. Right, and then, but they gave Berenger all those scars on his face. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, like right there, yeah. Take the pain! <laughs> yeah, but like fucking... You, I want to see a movie. That's a great idea, doing yeah. it from a kid's point of view. Yeah, a kid's point. And we wouldn't make it kitty at all. You know, we wouldn't water down the violence. Hell, we'd show even more fucking violence. Show the consequence, the reality. There are so many war films now that really don't give you, like, Private Ryan kind of gave, it was it was a neutral war film, but it showed you the consequences the of what it's yeah. really like to be in battle. Yes, there were grown men who would walk into that film who were who actually served in Normandy? Who were crying 
when they saw that movie and had to walk out because it was so realistic. And every war movie now tries to copy what Yamish Kaminsky and Spielberg worked together when they shot Private Ryan instead of having their own original ideas, you know? I mean, the way I would shoot my movie is probably a lot of long, steady cam shots. Think of the way Kubrick filmed his movies where... You know, you'd have a wide depth of field, kind of taking and everything like it's almost like a painting. It would be like a painting of the war, a painting of the carnage, a painting of, uh, think of fucking Abu Ghraib, you know. There would probably be a, a scene involving one of the soldiers seeing how they're torturing these people. Probably like one of the kids' relatives is Abu Ghraib, you know, uh, unjustly imprisoned there. So they make him strip naked. Don't and they forget humiliate him. Yeah. Well, how I don't know how Halliburton would work into that story. You, you'd have a parallel story taking place in Houston. Yeah, I think that guy would, living in uh, uh, outside of Dallas in a little suburb, driving to work. And, right. I think that would be an entirely separate film. Uh, I think the one about the kid, and it's not like meant to be like fuck Iraq and fuck this, but at the same time, yeah, we're trying to tell people, look, this is the reality of it. This is what we did. How have we improved these lives? Look at how you fucked it. Think of all the kids' lives who have been ruined through this war. Think of all the men and, and, and you know, the husbands and wives' lives who have been ruined. You know, I want to see Iraqis from the perspective as human beings because every war film that I see about Afghanistan, about Iraq, anywhere in the Middle East, even Black Hawk Down, what are they viewed as? Dangerous brown people. That's what they are. It's just absolute fucking racism. That's why American Sniper went over went under so much heat. Like even like one of the people, you see a little kid with a mom, right? And it turns out the mom has uh, an RPG and the little kid has a grenade and he's going to blow up the soldiers. So then Chris Kyle has to shoot down the kid. And then there's another sequence in the film where they're... The, the American soldiers are taking refugee in the house of a, of a Middle Eastern man, and then it turns out that he's actually a terrorist. And all we see is just this horrible negative image of uh, Arabs. And yes, there are some of the occasional Arabs in the movie that are assisting the military and helping them out, but they're few and far between. It's like, oh, look, here's a few good ones out of all the bad apples, which is half the fucking country. Wow. You know, and well, then we have a be, that might I I didn't know it was that bad. It might be uh, why uh, you're seeing a rise in the anti-Muslim travel uh, ban. Yeah, the travel ban, but even on a uh, like the public's uh, interaction uh, with with um, Arab Americans, like you know, uh, going after them while they're in the park or on the street, yeah. or trying yeah. to tear off the the scarf and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're um, I forgot the technical term for it, but hijab. Yeah, but uh, I mean, and and but essentially, like the way these movies are being made, that goes in the general consensus of America. Oh, look, they're all savages. This is why we're killing them. They're all terrorists. You know, all Muslims are bad. And yes, again, these movies will always show how the soldiers are helping them out and they're still being good. But overall, you're projecting a very negative image that is racist, you know. And no, not all of these films are racist, but every fucking movie, even Zero Dark Thirty, just shows 90% of the Muslims as bad people. And, yeah, oh, you got the interpreter, so it's okay. There's a Muslim that's a good guy who's actually from there who's helping them out. Who gives a shit? It's still fucking racist. That's like the one guy who's like says racist shit all the time, but he's like, oh, but I have a black friend. Oh, you got a black friend. I guess that makes you not racist. You can have a black wife and you could still be a racist. Right. I know I got. It. I know a guy who has a black girlfriend who's still fucking racist. All right? But that's essentially what they're doing. They're just promoting xenophobia and violence because they're afraid to say something. And I don't think you can go to the studios and say, hey, I want to make this movie about this young kid in Iraq who witnesses the horrors of war because they'd say, well, we can't make do, money off of that. Do you see you a know? director who today could, that could do this? Who could make your, a movie like that? Sure, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. What did do he that. do? He did There Will Be Blood. Oh, he did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he did Punch Drunk Love. He did The Master. He's coming out with another movie with Daniel Day-Lewis this summer about, uh, like, Daniel Day-Lewis works in the fashion industry and it's during the 50s or something like that. Uh And no, it's not nine. He already did that movie about 
sort of that subject matter and it was a piece of shit. But then, you know, th- this should be a good film. Something very different from There Will Be Blood. He also did Magnolia and Boogie Nights. Yeah. Oh, he did Boogie Nights? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think, uh, but if you, but I'm thinking of like There Will Be Blood, Paul Thomas Anderson would be perfect for making that kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. That and, would be cool. And then like a political film about the war where it's not about combat, but just like backroom dealings from like guys and like Halliburton and stuff like that. I think Christopher Nolan could direct something like that. You know, because he's a genius at creating structure and multiple plot threads. Yeah. And a movie like that would have that. And I always wanted to see Nolan make a political film. And right now, Nolan is making a war film. But it's a movie about World War II. And World War II is probably the only war that I think was necessary to fight. Because we had to stop the... Excuse me. We had to stop the spread of the Axis. Uh Uh-huh. But outside of that, like, what war has ever really been justified? Well, that's just it. I mean, whatever war comes up, they always think it's justified at the time. Except for World War II. I think stopping Hitler was a good thing. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that, you know. But, yeah, I mean, but that's the problem with with movies today. They're afraid to make a stance. And then there's just these little documentaries that come up. I, of all these films, I think I only named, like, maybe one uh, narrative film. I'm sure there are more that, you know, people will point out to me that I'm not thinking One of. narrative film. Yeah. Uh, it was, or two, if you count Generation Kills, that was a miniseries. Uh-huh. But in the Valley of Ella, which is uh, about Tommy Lee Jones, and he's kind of like this war dad, and then his son goes AWOL, and then it turns out he's been blown up. You know, when he finds out that he's dead and like they just take him to the morgue and it's just pieces of him, you know, and then it's kind of like dawning on him to a certain extent. Not yet, but I'm going to guess it is like it dawned on his wife, played by Susan Sarandon, where she tells him on the phone, you had to take two of our sons. You couldn't even like leave one by encouraging them to go to war. That's a, a an anti-war film, but yeah. you don't get a lot of those, you know. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a crazy time, and uh, do you, you think we're gonna go into another war and we'll see more of these kind of movies? Like, look, here's Megan Levy with the dog, the cute war dog, yay! Gee, I everything about politics right now and about what's going on in the White House is so outside of my ex- life experience i've never seen it before yeah and I, I there's nothing that i can reference to give me a clue as to what's going to come next you say that you know he's taking us to a war yeah that, that that's a scenario but the other side i can think that he's so out of control that he's going to be shut down soon that's obvious that's another one that i can i i oh, hope got will pence happen. there and then if pence goes away you know it just goes to a whole line of creeps it's just well it's it's really next year's midterms that's going to determine yeah and we just won't know until then yeah but what do you think movies like have to do now if there were if there were movies about war what do you think art has to do today to sort of enlighten the public well like i told you it was a five-year gap between but how many end of vietnam and between and before they started looking at it cinematically and the reason a seven-year gap now with iraq yeah but the reason they did that was because uh people didn't want to hear about it so until people are willing to face what was behind the iraq war but I think they are, you know. You do? I think so because, I mean, they were challenging it at the time. There were so many people who were against it. And basically when Obama got in, he ended that war really fast. And he kept know? us out of war for eight years, which exactly. was a phenomenal uh, uh, accomplishment on his part. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on him to go into Syria, for one, mm-hmm. but also Libya and some other places, too. And he really held back saying no we're not going to do that ukraine mm. um so i think obama that's he deserves a lot of credit i also think that what's happening now with trump is going to produce a industry of movies <laughs> trump related movies <laughs> for the next like several comedies 
comedies and my probably worse so is like uh just to bring back that skepticism and uh cynicism about politics well i i always said if i were to make a movie about trump it would not be a comedy because oh he's so goofy and yeah no it would be a fucking horror film because we're living in one it is yeah but i don't know having said that uh did you ever have a fame a favorite war film huh that's a good question i um You know, um, you know the movie Public Enemy. No, it wasn't Public Enemy. The Roaring Twenties, mm. mm-hmm. and uh, it was with Humphrey Bogart and James mm. Cagney. It's a gangster yeah. film. Gotcha. Yeah. And it it began in World War One mm. that those guys had been uh, that something happened in the war that led to their criminality. Mm. And also Public Enemy with yeah. uh, Jimmy Cagney. Oh, wow. His brother, yeah, I think I saw that one, yeah. His brother goes to war, and when he comes back, you know, Cagney wanted to go to war, but he was too young. Yeah. And his brother goes, but part a subplot in the movie was his brother comes back fucked up. Mm. Like, mm. he's shell-shocked. Yeah. And uh, it's not a big part of the movie, but it's there. So yeah. in some ways, you're seeing the anti-war feeling manifesting itself in other genres like a gangster movie like public enemy yeah Yeah. so you've seen the public enemy Mm -hmm. yeah a long time ago yeah 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 i mean i mean bogart was in casablanca which was a very well-known war film paths of glory was good yes yeah would you call dr strange love yeah i would call well then there there that's my favorite war movie. yeah i mean absolutely it was about nuclear deterrence right and the results of that. I mean, they're, they're what are they playing at the very end of the film when they launch the bomb? We'll meet again somewhere. Right. <laughs> yeah, that. I mean, that was a great comedy about just how crazy we are. Very with cynical weapons. Oh yes, <laughs> very cynical. But, but that's that what made Kubrick. it funny. Oh yeah. That was Kubrick, though, you know. Peter Sellers, probably one of his best performances. And you know who Sidney Lumet is, right? Sidney Lumet? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think it was him that directed Failsafe, which came out around the same time. Do you know that movie? Yeah. I didn't know he directed it. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did. Mm. But but that had no humor in it. That was, you know, that was played for serious. And I don't... It it hasn't held up as well as mm, yeah Doctor yeah <laughs> no Doctor Strange Love works because it's funny and it's relevant you know because everybody in that war room is just a fucking bozo and they don't know what they're doing they just and, and, and look at who we have now who's in charge of the nuclear codes it's insane <laughs> yeah. I don't know like what wouldn't you would you like to see more movies that take a stance on war in general like because what do you think we have to do to be more patriotic like how would you define you know i I hate to say this because i you know i i certainly didn't want to be drafted yeah it ended right before i was eligible yeah uh however you know seeing what situation we're in now it may be better to have a draft where the military is made up of people that from all walks of society mm-hmm. and not a volunteer thing. You want, <laughs> it sounds counterintuitive, you want people in the military that don't want to be there because they're going to make sure that the military doesn't go off yeah. track. And if everybody, that if the military is all volunteer, you run the risk of getting a bunch of guys together that think in this same Mindset, mindset. Yeah, yeah. that they it, they may take the uh, the military in a dark direction. Yeah. So far, it hasn't happened. Well, I shouldn't say that. Michael Flynn, that was a that's a pretty scary idea that he was this close to being the national security uh, advisor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's political suicide if they'd have a draft. That's why Bush never had one. Yeah. Um, but you understand what I'm saying, though, yeah. right? Yeah. Luckily, I'm too old for a draft now. So. Yeah. Yeah. But 
certainly that that I mean that would be something that would ignite us. But like I was asking, like if we were to be patriotic, should we all de rah rah war or against no, it, of course or not. should we? Yeah. Because, like, where are we now? Like, every time the 4th of July comes up, I just can't get excited about it, you know, because of where we are and how backwards our country is. And then when well, I see Well, give them, us a break, though, too, is that we have made a lot of progress in the last, in my lifetime. I mean, as far as racial politics and, mm. uh, and uh, I mean... There's still a lot of issues, a lot of problems. But before when a cop shot a black man, it wasn't talked about. Yeah. I mean, now it's being talked about. But that's they progress. Off. They yeah. get off all the time. Yeah, well, that's the next step, you know. Yeah. And uh, it, it sounds slow and pathetic. People were going to lose their health care. Yeah. But people had health care. Under Obama, Obamacare, yeah. they they had it, so that was progress. We'll see how long they still have it. Uh, I hope that I I hope that you do find some excitement in the Fourth of July because what happened with the Constitution was uh, we're so close to it. it. It's you know we we're so close to it that we don't regard it as much. But that was the first time. In 2,000 years, since the Greeks, that human beings had tried to give democracy a chance. Mm. It's a concept that's not really that apparent among humans without any sort of guidance. I mean, just we're we're monkeys. We're on Monkey Island, and we we have it embedded in our DNA. Speaking of which, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is coming out. War for the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is coming out soon. There you go. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. So so you got to give it some credit that uh, the Constitution and this experiment that is America, and it's continually evolving, is... Um, among human history, is it evolving? It's it kind of devolving now. No, isn't it? no, it is. Since Trump, no, you know, there there's going to be challenges, and Trump's a big one. <laughs> there's going to be challenges. The oligarchy is always ready to pounce, just like it was two thousand twenty five hundred years ago mm-hmm. in Greece. Mm-hmm. They were constantly fighting with the oligarchy, uh, but it's all we got, and that we're trying. We are the shining beacon in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Other countries do look to us. I mean, a lot of them hit our guts, but a lot of them regard what was going on that we've become the bar. Yeah. So, and, you know, as artists, what do you think an artist's responsibility as a filmmaker is to having society in America continually evolve? Well, first, I, I think you got to be careful because anytime an artist feels a responsibility to something other than who he is and what his art is, mm-hmm. he, he can quickly devolve into propaganda and, uh, and, and becoming a shill for something that, that he shouldn't be. He, I, he I, could turn into, what's her name, that made that documentary about Hitler... Oh, Lena Riefenstahl. Lena Riefenstahl, yeah, where she made... uh, Brilliant uh, filmmaker. Yeah, uh, what was that movie she made? Power and Glory, no, uh, um, Triumph of the Will. Triumph of the Will, yeah. Like, you you know, the thing was, like, she didn't know, like, he was... He had all these concentration camps and all that, and she tried to... He didn't have... They didn't have concentration... They didn't have the uh, death camps until '42, mm. so so no, she wouldn't have been part of that. She did the Olympics of '36, yeah, yeah. But she did she know it, yeah. that they were goons and that they were beating up people. So she knew that they were they were psychos, and she still made that movie about them. Yeah, because like I remember, like throughout the rest of her career, she tried to escape that image and be like, "Look, I didn't know they were up to all this shit," you know, and she tried to make. And she's right. That. She she didn't know about the, uh, she, the. She she wound up in a situation where you know she should have been smarter. She should have known what these people were really up to, but she wasn't. Right. And as artists, we don't want to wind up in that position. She's still an artist, though. She isn't she dead? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. <laughs> I mean, she was still an artist. Yeah. So that's an interesting question, you know that that art is like uh, is like nuclear power. 
I, it can be used for good or for evil. <laughs> well, I think as artists today, it's always important to uh, challenge the status quo. You know, it, you can make a pro-war for film or an anti-war film. I'm not telling you to make either. I'm just saying we need more balance, you know, instead of all this propaganda that we're getting. You know, no more Black Hawk Downs, no more Megan Levy's, no more Max's, uh, you know, no more of these, oh, I, I don't want, you know, I'll, I'll make the Hurt Locker because it doesn't say anything about war and I'm going to play it safe. Like, make a stance. If you want to make a pro-war film, God damn it, come in with a giant red, white, and blue dick and shove it in our fucking asses. You know, if you want to make a... <laughs> If you want to make a anti-war film, you know, fucking be a hippie, wear no shoes, fucking shave your, you know, grow your hair out and, and make the most goddamn anti-war film you can. Do something. You know, have a voice. And I think artists these days are afraid to have a voice. You know, and I and like I said, my movie about Iraq would be very anti-war because I want society to grow and evolve and and to push for peace, push for something that's good, and and push for love, not, well, we got to kill the evil brown people, okay? We're not Clint Eastwood, which is disappointing because Clint Eastwood made Letters from Iwo Jima, which was a very surprising movie to come from him, you know, in a very delicate film. But then he makes something like an American Sniper, and that was slightly after he, like, went to the RNC and talked to the empty chair. <laughs> So a lot of good it did him. Yeah. So that, I think the artist's responsibility is to have a voice. That's right. Yeah. There you go. That's that's the only responsibility yeah. is to have their own voice. Yeah. yeah. Not just make a film because I want to tell a story because it's an incredible story. Okay. Why is the story important? Well, it shows dedication and what someone's willing to sacrifice above others. Okay. But what's your movie trying to say? You know, say something. Invest in it. Invest yeah. in it uh, emotionally and uh, intellectually. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks a lot, Dave, for coming on. You, I know uh, you've come on before and hopefully more times. And uh, Come on again. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug before you go away? Uh, no. No? Your not Ravenswood show, Your show. I think this is an incredible thing that you've got going. I think you do a really good job. And I hope you continue it. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, check out Dave at ravenswoodmedia.com if you want to have your have something nature-related made. Uh, and uh, we'll see you later on the Cinefrauds.